We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for yet another episode. Hey. Episode heavy week here because how often did the Knicks play uh, one game between between Monday and Thursday? But uh, I hope you've enjoyed everything so far. We started off with Was, then we uh, followed it up with Benji, and now we're ending the week with a banger. Um, it's mailbag time. Usually we have intern turned CEO Chris Persiain <laughs> in here. He was unavailable because he's doing big. He, he's gotten too big for next film school. Let's just seriously. Yeah. He, he's calling the women's game tonight, right? At Fordham. Uh, or is he prepping for it or something? He's working the women's tournament he's, game at Fordham tonight. There you go. Apologies, Chris. I have no idea what I think. I don't know if it's studio work or if it's actually encore uh, analysis, but you, you send us stuff from different portions of the broadcast. So yes. I just know you're working tonight and we wish you the best of luck. And I will hopefully fulfill your shoes. I was about tonight. Yes, I was about to say we we uh, we found a fill-in intern for Chris. What's below an intern? Uh, applicant. <laughs> you just want to you want a job, but you don't even get the shoe in the door. Driver, um, like assistant. It's like, the person un, unpaid assistant. That's really what an intern is. Two two things popped into my mind. Uh, the as, as I've Sex in the City fan. This it should shock no one that I know a line from this movie, but from the Devil Wears Prada, um, it's the job that every girl every girl dreams of. Mm. Um, there you go. Either don't, that or don't the stories. Shame, of, don't you dare shame people who watch Devil's Wears Prada. By the way, that movie's amazing. It's yeah, a great movie. Actually, it's a yeah. lot of fun. Um, young young uh, young Emily Blunt. Yes, it's a lot, of, a lot of fun there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is like all the stories, which are which are true, by the way, because I know someone who used to work at CAA of like you start in the mailroom and then you work your way up from there. Yes. Up until like uh, like five or six years ago with the Internet taking charge, you had to go down that pipeline of yeah. like apply for an internship and then be a production assistant and then yeah. work your way up that way. And then the Internet came along and was like, well, why would I do all of that if I could just. <laughs> Like order all the things that I would get at a studio on Amazon. 
There you and go. Now, here we are at Knicks Film School. Here we are at Knicks Film School, ready to answer your questions. So, um, as usual, um, partially because I like to keep my responses fresh and partially because I'm too busy to <laughs> look at these things before the episode. Uh, I have not seen any of the questions. Actually, that's a lie. I did see one question that if you don't ask it, I may f- uh, find a way to, because I was like, I literally had 30 seconds to browse Twitter earlier today. I may ask it myself and answer it at the end, but we'll see if you get to it. But no, I haven't seen any of the questions, so I'm excited as always. Okay. I, I hope that I get to it. I think I picked 12 questions that oh, okay. are right up your alley that you mm-hmm. would want to discuss that have nothing like Stephen A. Mad Dog related to it. These are all very specific questions that involve no nuance or outrage. I think you will like them. I like a little bit of outrage every now and then. What, what would you might be out, outraged by, John? What, what could have outraged you? In Let's move on. Um, ready <laughs> to do the first on. question of the yes. mailbag? Ready to do the first question. So this is because I know who I'm the producer of. I want to get one question out of the way. It is a Tibbs-related question from sure. a fellow Tibbs. Uh, I don't want to call you guys defenders, but I will say you guys are in the Tibbs camp, is what I'll say. And Tyler yeah. Mick at Ty Mick on Twitter, who's very much been vocal in, in the uh, super chats in, in support of that perspective. He asks, Tibbs question, should the Knicks reassure his job for 22-23 for the 22-23 season to incentivize him to play the younger guys more minutes or perhaps fire him now? It's it, pretty clear that he's coaching for his job and any rational coach wouldn't prioritize the youth in this scenario. So I'm going to answer this question with, I'm going to, I'll give it, I'll, I'll give a specific Tibbs. Should Tibbs be fired and should, should Tibbs still keep his job and under what circumstances? But let me just start out by hearkening back to something that has been a theme of mine throughout a lot of the post games, which is that the moment that trust breaks down between the front office and the coach, the coach needs to go. It doesn't matter who the coach is um, because I believe in that order. Um, I think sports has borne out that like you hire the people in the front office first and let them pick the coach. You don't like have a holdover coach. Cause that usually just, I mean, unless it's a weird situation when you have like a legend who's like so entrenched and like, you know, great. Um, and look, all, all due respect to tips, he ain't that. So like if the trust is broken down and they can't, work to get and it's like if they're telling him like look as a franchise you've been overruled we feel it is better to go in this other direction and if he's showing resistance fire then yes fire him today um and i don't even think that should be a discussion so all this stuff about like incentivizing him to play the young players or any of this no out the window um if you can't come to an agreement fire him if 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 you're still on the same page then we could have a conversation about whether he deserves to keep his job you know, and I, I'll just say to that, I, I, you know, I think I wrote something to this effect, maybe it was last week, where my fear of him starting next season as the coach is what happens if it starts badly? And, you know, that like, you, I feel like you want to do these coaching changes cleanly. You know, like in like doing an off season, and if you do it in the off season, you could make it. You know, you could put some, you could put some lipstick on it. Maybe they say uh, Tibbs is transitioning to a, and I don't know if you go for that, but like maybe you say he's transitioning to a different role in the organization or like whatever. I don't know. Um, I'm officially at this point very 
just very worried about the situation. And that doesn't, and this is where people are going to get mad at me. That doesn't have to do with Tibbs ability to coach. I, 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 I've never for one second lost faith in his ability to just be a coach. I think where I started to come around with it on is the, is that I'm, I'm ready to admit that like the good and the bad of Tibbs this season and the way this season has gone and the, and the complexities of this particular year for a lot of reasons, a lot of which are not his fault has brought out, I don't want to say the worst in him, but it's for, you know, he's going, the the tendencies that he leans into are not helping this thing. They are hurting this thing. Um, You know, and he's a coach and he's stuck in his ways. And that's, I think been an issue, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I don't think the season, the way it's gone has been his fault. I understand why people are frustrated. I'm frustrated. I think the fresh, I think the frustrations are valid. Um, you know, but do I think there's a world where he could be the coach of this team next year and it go very well? Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if you take away a lot of the, a lot of the uncertainty around, Oh, should we play this rookie over this veteran? Because we suck. Like that's, you know, if you give a, if if you give this guy like good NBA players who are gonna who are gonna play for him, and you don't have to deal with the Randall nonsense and the Kemba of it all and all of that stuff, like the guy could still coach. That's where that's honestly where where I've I've kind of dug my feet in the ground. Um, and I'm, but other than that, you know, I, I'm I'll anybody who wants to yell and scream that he should lose his job, I'm 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 done. Done defending him. I'm done. I'm done fighting it. I'll defend him, but I'm done fighting. You're done fighting the the wave that has yeah. been coming. Um, I think this is where, and it's it's funny that the three of us, like you, seem to lean more heavier blame on the players. Um, J- Jeremy seems to lean heavier blame on the coach, and I'm very heavy blame on the front office right now. If they like, well, what does that I, tell you? So it means that there's blame to go around for one yeah. and for two, like, I don't like to your point. I don't think that Tibbs would be allowed to play the certain lineups that he has to Tyler's point. If like the front office wasn't allowing him to like, I want them to give him the mandate, whether it's reassuring him that his job is safe yeah. for next year. If he plays the kids, whatever, or say, play the kids or you're fired and then make the change. I, I think this is a collective organizational decision to play the the rot- rotations has become a buzzword here yeah. to not prioritize development over like what we're seeing right now, which is why I go to them being like, you have a, a say in this. We're just yelling at YouTube and microphones right now. Like you guys actually can make some change here. And that's where, yeah, I, I agree with you on the, if you're going to fire and wait until the end of the season and make it a clean clean break um you're you went dark for, okay you wow, that happens you went, you went into the matrix the last episode and now you're you're in the bat cave in this one look at you I love for it. those on youtube you get what that means i guess <laughs> my my only point is like i agree with waiting until the off season to to make a clean break give a coach an entire off season to set a plan in place and a yes a mantra yeah. why not really do those those coaching changes mid-season if your roster like the the Hawks clearly were better than what their roster was. Like their roster was better than what their record said it was, which is why then we made the change to McMillan. It made sense there was an uptick. And that was this so much roster, earlier. This roster is also not that good. So 
a coaching change would probably just be a pivot to development anyway, which is why well, I wish the front office would put that out the and, made him in there. And and by the way, at the end of the day, we're talking about a team that's what, 25 and 36, right? Um, you just said it. The roster's not that good. Like I of all the arguments of all the people yelling and screaming out there about that this is this is all Tibbs' fault. And I I don't think there's that many of them, but they they are out there. It's like you know, it's the NBA. It's like, how's your, what, what does your roster look like now? The pushback to that. And I don't want to get into the whole thing. It's like, look at the Clippers. Look at what the Clippers have been able to do. You know, look at what, um, you know, even you want to point to a team like the Thunder, like look at some of the game, look at who who's played for them in some of the games that they've won, even something like Cleveland. And like, yes, Darius Garland and Jared Allen have emerged as all as all stars. And like, they got some, but like, you know, you catch lightning in a bottle. We saw last year, we saw last year here in New York, like there is a way to overcome talent efficiencies. Um, but at the same time, more often than not, you are defined by the talent on your roster. Okay. I also think the order in which things happen dictates the narrative and the emotion of the fan base. You've been very complimentary. I think all of us have been complimentary of the job the Pelicans have done. They have almost the yes. identical record as the Knicks, but they started three and 16 and then played better from that point on the Knicks. And they probably have more played. talent. <laughs> But like the Knicks played like yeah. a 500 record and then went three and 16. Yeah. Which yeah. is why the order has made this so frustrating that it fell off a cliff rather than you fell off a cliff early and then rebuilt yourself back up. Um, I'm going to, for those who can't see it on the, because you're listening on the podcast, I, anytime John goes dark, I'm going to just, I, I'm ignore it. I'm, Listen, when Gotham calls, John listens. I, I told you why. It's because my stupid USB thing that I have the light plugged in sometimes like does this pop up thing. Anyway, we, gotcha. we don't need to worry about that. Next question. How important this is from Kiwi, K-I-V-I, um, at Kiwi015 on Twitter. Thank you, Kiwi. Um, how important is it that the front office makes the decision to move on from Randall or Obi this summer? Ooh, that's a great question. It's an either yeah. or. I like it. Um, we know where you stand. You want them to move on from Randall this summer, I, but how yeah, but to move on from one of them. I love this question because it's phrasing it in a particular way that I honestly hadn't thought of. Um, it's funny. I'm actually going to, my answer is going to be, I don't think it's that important because I don't think, I don't think the issue is that like, like I have issues with Randall and as if you listen to the Benji pod, like there's issues with Obi, like the things he's not doing very well out there. But my issue isn't with the like this dichotomy of having like I don't like I'm not looking at this as a situation where uh, I'm trying to think of like a comp. Um, like what was it when Jer I think it was Jermaine O'Neal was in like you know Portland and like he was behind someone that was uh, that was like he just couldn't get any minutes. Like there's probably a better example. I'm just not thinking of one. Um, you know. Like, I, I think there's a situation where this could work fine. Um, and yes, some of this does have to do a little bit with the coaching. Like if there's a different coach that was willing to play them again, six to eight minutes a game together, that would go a long way. I don't think that's the issue. My issues are, I have a lot of issues with Randall and I would like to see some more out of Obi. But like at the same time, I say that. And like, if I'm envisioning a world next season where like Obi Toppin is the starting power forward and they're just, it's like here, you know, 30 minutes a night, we'll see what you could do with it. Like that's a, I don't want to say that that's scary. Like I'm excited by that. I want to see it, but like, man, they better construct the roster in such a way as to have some fail safes in there. If he doesn't grow in certain ways. So the, 
I hope that answered the question adequately. Like I'm, yeah, I'm more concerned. I'm, I just want them to get Randall out of here. That's the first thing. But yeah, you, you, you don't think it's necessarily important for them to make a decision between the. the it's not an either or next going into next season. Or now there is a world where next season they're on the team and they can coexist in a successful way. Yeah, the, the notion that like that, that this is like some kind of a um like a misplaced asset issue like they you know where like like both of these assets cannot appreciate in value because they are on the same like I don't view it as that. I think there there are respective issues with both of them and that if both of them were playing well, I don't think anyone would be complaining. <laughs> you know, I think it'd be fine. Yeah. This just goes back to Derrick Rose's injury and cuz yeah. like when Derrick Rose played I think Randall and Obi looked better because he played with both of them, um, which highlights a bigger issue, which is a question that will come up. The Knicks need a point guard, just a actual point guard to play on this team. Um, next question. Um, it is from Matt Reichel. Apologies if I pronounced your name wrong, Matt. Um, at Matt12R. What's the worst thing that can happen if the Knicks trade Randall? Ooh. What's the worst um, case scenario if they trade Randall? I don't know if this is the answer, but the first thing that popped into my head, I'll give you the first thing that popped in and then I'll give you the second thing that just popped in. The first thing that popped into my head was they trade for Russ and instead of telling Russ to go the way of John Wall and to mm -hmm. sit nicely on the sidelines until they could either agree to a buyout or they find another home. I mean, and that's the thing. Like you're not, you're no one, like you're not finding another home. If like you're, you're trading for Russ, trading for Russ for one of two reasons, you like whatever assets the Lakers are giving you. Hopefully that's the case regardless. Or there's a part of you that's like, hey, let's, you know, let's see what Russ could do in his expiring year. And like that thought to me is horrifying because yeah. you want to talk about like things that I don't want to have to introduce into an ecosystem that is supposed to be like continuing RJ Barrett's development and like seeing what, you know, Emmanuel quickly could do. And like if we get a nice draft pick this year, like trying to bring that guy yeah, that's the first thing that popped into my head. The second thing that popped into my head, and I'm I'm not sure I'm fearful of this, but I do think it at least deserves mention. If like, you know, what if they trade him just to get him out of here? They don't get a great package back and he goes somewhere and he plays like an all-star. Like that would be bad. That would be a rough look. Um, the truth is, I don't think either of those scenarios are going to happen. I do not think that they're going to trade for Russell Westbrook. Um, and I do not think that uh, Randall is going to... I think he could look really good someplace else as a number two. And I wouldn't mind that if that was the case. Um, but I don't, I honestly, I really don't have any fears. Um, I just, I firmly believe at this point, I, he is not what is best for this organization right now or moving forward. And I don't think that that could change. And I think it has a lot to do with, he was the guy. And now there's a new guy and I, you know, and he's never been a guy who, when he doesn't have the ball is doing a lot of stuff to help you win. Um, he, in fact, he's quite detrimental. So is yeah. your, is your, um, uh, I'm blanking on the right word to use, but like your, your fin, the fact that you're done with Randall, um, is that more about that? You don't think he'll ever regain lockout year lockout year um pandemic year form or is it more that you want the keys to be turned over to rj um i think it's a I, listen our, if rj barrett is as good as we all hope that he's he is he's going to be able to be 
he has to be able to be a damn good number two to a superstar because look, I know what he, I have a RJ column coming out on Friday um, in which I sing his praises and I put his numbers up against some very, very lofty, um, you know, comparables over the last 20 years and uh, shameless plug. I encourage everybody to go read that. Like he's, he's, he's moving up in the world. That said, I will never believe he could be the best cha- player in a championship team. I just don't think that that's real. He's going to need to play off of another guy. I think so. I'm not worried about that, but like, yes, I, 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 I don't believe Randall's ever going to get it back, but I also like the, the volatility that we've seen this year off the court, on the court, like non basketball on the courts, like, or, you know, it, let me rephrase that. It's, it's about more than just, he's missing a bunch of 18 footers that he hit last year. Like it's about a lot more than that. It is. It, and, and it has seeped into everything and you just, you cannot, have that person be the leader of your organization on the court. And he still is the leader, even though RJ is kind of take, taking the reins a little bit. It, it, that's the part of it that it's like, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm done guessing whether lockout year Randall's ever going to come back. That's it. Fair. Um, I love how you did the same Freudian slip with lockout year when. What did I say? Oh, pandemic lockout. year. Yeah. It's pandemic year, but. The MLB lockout is there. You go. You know, on on my mind at least. Um, yeah. <laughs> Kobe Bean Burner. Um, he asked, "Do you think the front office has made getting a point guard the absolute number one priority of the offseason? And do you think they'll find one?" I, I still, perhaps wrongly. This is this is an assumption of mine. Um, based on little drips and drabs and I've been able to glean. Um, I don't think this organization is, has ever been like, or will ever be like, we must do this thing. Um, yeah. So I don't believe this front office operates that way. That said, <laughs> like if they have eyes and they watch their basketball team play basketball games, <laughs> They probably think that, yes, a point guard would be a good idea. Um, it's, I, I, sure. I, yes. I, do I think that it is a priority of theirs? Yes. Do I think that means they're like, have like a list of like, we're going to do everything we need to do to make sure we end up with like one of these three names? Like, no, I think they're going to continue to be opportunistic. And what was the, the end of the question was like, do I think they're going to be able to do it or like, yeah, do you think they'll find one? Like, here's the thing, right? I Even if they, like, fine. Tibbs loses his job. They turn the range over to Johnny Bryant. They kind of use that as a soft reset. Um, even in that scenario, are they really starting a rookie point guard? And, like, again, looking at the draft, we're. Lo- I mean, is it, like, Ty Ty Washington, Wash just talked about him the other day. He's a late lottery pick. Like, he, you know, he might be good. We'll see. Um, does that mean they're turning the reins over to Deuce McBride next year as a starter? Like, I, again, I, that'd be awesome. And if, if it works out, but like, do we really think that that's going to happen? So like where, where around the league is the answer? If it's not on the roster or if it's not in the draft, it's like, I'll throw the obvious names out there. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, like they traded for Halliburton. I figure they'll trade for Brogdon. I think, I don't know what money would be sent to Indiana, but I think something like a, you know, and people aren't going to want to hear this, but like if they don't move up in the draft, if the Knicks get like the ninth pick in the draft, you know, Fournier and the ninth pick for Brogdon, like there's your deal. You know, that 
on paper, I think is fair, right? Yeah, I, mean, I, again, I have no objections, but again, the 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 ironic part about well, no, the rise of Quentin Grimes actually makes Fournier a bit expendable. So actually, I'm, I'm okay with that. I was yeah, say, like, and I like see what Grimes, I want to see what Fournier looks like with a point guard. But if I'm getting Grimes to just take and, that spot, then we're fine. And that's one of those trades where it's like, is Fournier good money in this trade? Is Fournier bad money in this trade? Yeah. Nobody really knows. But it's like, who cares? Because you're you're getting the guy you want, and like you're you're giving Indiana something that it probably wants. Although you know, it's fair to ask, does does Indiana want? you know, two top 10 picks on their team that they have to try to bring along. It seems like as an organization, that's where they're going. We'll see. That's the most obvious deal on the board to me. Um, you know, uh, people will mention Markel Fultz. I, I just. It's coming up. Don't worry. It's coming oh, up. okay. I, but it's like, all right, so I'll save my thoughts on Fultz. Um, and then other than that, I mean, like, you know, what are we gonna hold our breath for for Donovan Mitchell for the for the Woj tweet? Don, Donovan Mitchell has uh you know expressed his displeasure with blah 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 blah. Like uh, you know, I don't think that's gonna happen this offseason. Uh, who else? Who am I forgetting? Uh, Brunson. Brunson's, Brunson's the only other guy. One, yeah. Brunson's yeah, it's just Brunson. Um, I what did I say? I think there's a 50-50 chance it'll happen. Yeah, I'd say I I will say this. I think that there is a. Maybe I'll, I'll reduce the number on Brunson. I think there's a better than 50-50 chance that either Jalen Brunson or Malcolm Brogdon is the starting point guard for this team next year. And honestly, it, I, that's probably low because again, like where else are they going to go for a starting point guard? I don't, I don't know. So this next question, I feel like we've already kind of answered it with like where we are in the picture of the rebuild. I want to ask it and then give any additional thoughts. Thomas Walter asks, uh, if everything went right in last year with the team health and Julius peaking, how do we reconcile with nothing going right this year? Injuries, bad Julius losing, except this new version of RJ. Where are we in the big picture of this rebuild? Basically, how many steps yeah. back have we taken after we took steps uh, forward? I'm going to, I'm going to channel our favorite redhead, Jeremy Cohen here. Mm-hmm. Um, Everything's fine, right? It's all according to plan, right? Like, yes, the the year has been terrible. And obviously, you know, I think the fact that the culture has taken a hit in terms of the perception of the culture around the league has certainly taken a hit. Um, there was a lot of excitement about the Knicks a year ago. That excitement has subsided. Will it matter at the end of the day? Like, did Do- like was Donovan Mitchell like all about looking here a year ago and now he's got cold feet like that could probably change pretty quickly um you know what i i don't know the answer to that question you know the randall of it all is like yeah that obviously sucks but like did anybody think randall was like gonna take the next step towards like being a true superstar after last season like i didn't we, we didn't think it'd be this and it's you know there's the kind of minor inconvenience of like what do you do with them now um but no i think it's like I think Dolan still has, I have no reason to believe he doesn't have trust in the front office. Um, That's a big thing. I think the front office still has their same kind of plan. That's probably a little bit tougher to execute, but like flexibility, young players, draft assets. um, You haven't boxed yourself into anything bad. All all the doors are open. Like I, yeah, I I don't think if you know what, I'll I'll try to put a real positive spin on it. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise. I mean, a lot of that's going to be determined by where they pick and what they get out of the pick. 
But, you know, maybe again, I use the word soft rebuild, maybe the opportunity to take a step back and do a, do a, a, a year, you know, have a do over of what last year was supposed <laughs> to be. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Might be, the, um, might not be the worst thing. I'm going to plug our Patreon pod in which we just did a power rankings of all 30 mm. teams in the NBA and we put them in certain tiers and I'll spoil a little bit of where the Knicks were in that they're in this tier of purgatory with some other teams, some other franchises that are significantly more screwed than the Knicks are and because yeah. they don't have moves to make. Um, well, they have moves that just maybe not not great ones. <laughs> well, I'm saying like the other teams don't really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm saying the, yes, the other teams yeah. they have moves, but none that are yeah you want. Well, like some of the other teams in that tier made moves. Like the Kings are in the tier with them. Yeah. they made moves with this myth of the play-in. Like I'll I'll echo what I said yesterday on Patreon. What the play-in's done to these GMs and thinking that it's a thing that matters. Like being the 10th seed is still not good. You're the at best the 19th or 20th team in your con in your in the sport, 10th in your conference. Like all it is is getting one more game. Whether the game yeah. matters or not, like you get to you get to play in it. If it's young guys developing into it, like that is a game that you want the Pelicans to play in if you can play in it. Or like the Hornets last year getting that experience of like, all right, this is a one game elimination. We get them in it. But like the Kings trading the future because we want to make the play in. Yeah. It's a myth. And if the Knicks were to have done that at the deadline, oh my God. But I'll be like, why are we trading anything significant long term to get like blown out and get worse lottery odds? Like that is the issue with what the. And I, I, and I will, the last thing I'll just add to this is like, this organization hasn't been able to develop young talent in forever. And I'm not, I don't want to go too overboard, but like, I think there's enough good stuff happening. Like it's all, it's not all good, obviously, but there's a lot of good stuff, I think with the kids. And I think that there is a sense that this organization can draft and develop. And at the end of the day, before you worry about anything else, you have to get that right. Yeah. And I think they're getting that right. And I think that's as good a reason to be optimistic about the future as anything. And the fact that they have all their, all their picks and they're probably going to get a good pick this year. Well, speaking of young talent that they've developed from Chad Cohen at S at CSC hundred one, 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 four. I'll say that. Um, if RJ continues high usage and say he was given the highest usage rate in the league over the last 20 games, Jesus what would Christ. his stats look like per game the rest of the way? Um, hold Can on. I, you're going to, I'm, I'm looking up who has the, the highest, highest usage. usage in the league. Can I guess who it is? Uh, I was okay. Sure. Uh, is it Mitchell? I don't have it up yet. I am going, let me give my guess before I see. I'm going to guess. No, it wouldn't be Embiid. No, is it? Hmm. It's not LeBron. Cause he has Russ on his team. We actually talked about this on a recent Patreon pod with the hundred percentile usage guys. I think it might be Mitchell, but my other guess would be a bead. Hang on. I'll tell you right now. Um, well, actually, if you, it, this is why I love the NBA stats page. Someone named Ahmad Caver, who has played oh, one yeah. game and played less than a minute in that game, has a 50% usage rate. No, the highest guy who uh, it is in beat. I'm, I'll ah, pat myself on the back. Number two is Doncic. And uh, mm, damn, where is Donovan sense. Mitchell? Donovan Mitchell is uh, one, two, three, four, f- uh, five, six. So it's Embiid, Doncic, uh, Antetokounmpo, Trey, John Morant, and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, okay, so we're imagining that 
Um, RJ Barrett gets a 38 usage rate for the rest of the season. Um, since he has blown up, um, since uh, I, I put it at New Year's Eve is when he had, he had, I think it was a 26 point game and he had mm-hmm. the 30, 32 pointer. I think the against game his- Randall went to protocols and they yeah. were like, let's see what this RJ thing looks like. So he he's had a hair below a, a 30 usage rate. If you go by basketball references, uh, usage calculation, since then. So we're basically talking about a 20 to 22% uptick in usage. So what would his numbers look like for the rest of the year? I mean, I think you probably have a little bit of a dip in efficiency. So I'll call it at 20. Goodness. Uh, I'll call it at 27, 27 and a half points a game. Um, Probably play more minutes, so let's get him up to eh, get him up to six and a half rebounds a game. And I and the big thing for me is can his would would his assists go up? Um, I was actually surprised to see he's at three and a half assists over these twenty one games, which is great, or twenty three games, excuse me, which is really good. I think he'd probably get over four assists, but I also think he'd you know if they really took the training wheels off, I think he'd be looking for a shot a lot. So maybe maybe I'm low on the points. Maybe he'd get up over twenty eight points a game, something like that. Though twenty seven, twenty eight. Am I wrong to not be as concerned about his assists because assists require your teammates to make shots? And listen, whether you're passing I, to guys or not, I, doesn't necessarily matter if they're not going to make it. I know. And we've had the whole potential assist conversation recently. Um, I think he, I think there's growth there okay. to be had. Um, should you be worried? No, I don't think you should be worried, but like, I'm not going to lie. If there's one, like I'm comfortable with where RJ is, across the board right now, the one area who, if you like, if you would said, this is where he's at in this area. And you would have said that to me before he was drafted. I'd be like, eh, I wish that was a little, a little bit better. That not free throws. I don't worry about the free throws. I think it's gonna be fine. Oh, I think this is like a, I think it's a weird blip. Okay. I, I, I A weird I extended blip. Yes. I yeah. dig the confidence. Cause every time we do the range and post the stats, whoever it is on Twitter, we're just, Conveniently leaving out the sixty nine percent from the free throw line since January. I mean, he's look. He's not Ben Simmons. All right. No, but John, you're not Ben Simmons. Uh, um, I trust you to make more free throws if I gave you a hundred attempts. What are you talking about here? That's very kind of you. No, I'm not. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about free throws. Fair. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Friend of the pod, Chip Murphy asks, (laughs) would you like to see the team use Cam or how would you like to see 
the team use Cam for the rest of the season? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll lean on what me and Benji talked about the other day. Just like get him out of the corner. That's number one. Uh, I'd love to see them run a lot when he's out there uh, more than they have already. And, you know, just put him in some high pick and rolls, put him in some high pick and rolls with some like different, different partners, you know, put him in, uh, put him in high pick and roll. How about this? Here's a concept. RJ Barrett looked pretty good in high pick and roll a bunch of times with Jericho Sims, right? Give Cam the same opportunity to do that. Um, here's a again another novel idea: play Cam at the four and have him go high pick and roll with like. And again, they don't they don't ever do this, which again frustration with Tibbs. I get it, um, but put him with like do a like an inverted like big small pick and roll like the Warriors used to do with Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. Obviously, you're not going to get the same results, but, but like say, yeah, yeah, but like see see what you got. Just get him. Get him going downhill in a little bit of space where he has an opportunity to either make a pl- make a bucket or or make a play, um, you know. But again, it's kind of similar to the RJ thing. I went back and looked at his his assists number. Like it, the averages are not only are the averages bad, but like you look throughout his career, he like he just doesn't really have any games where he, like you you'd expect to see a game where it's like, oh, there's nine ass- random assists, right? On a on a Tuesday night. Like he doesn't have any of those games. Um and I I would like to see because that's where I think his, his if he's if he is going to reach like a different plateau as a player, I that's what I'd like to see more of. Yeah, I I've been a little befuddled. I think you have two for the outrage for Cam if it's from an asset standpoint of like why did we trade a first for this guy to not play then i get it the like the third part of our big three is just wasting away on the bench is the part that i'm confused by (laughs) i Um, look i want to see him play 35 minutes a night as much as anyone throw the kid out there see what he could do you have nothing to lose i want to i want to i want to see him play more than five i i don't well you know i want to see 35 well we got we got 20 Three yeah, the other perfect. night That's against perfect. or the other day, I should say. No, the other yeah, last the other night. night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Against so. Philly. I think he's he can be a very solid backup three or four, or I, even a two, like a win no, player. I, I'll go a step for I like I, I think I said this on the pod with Benji. I would like to see him start. I really would. Oh, I would wow, like to would. see him play okay. significant minutes with RJ. I really think that why not? Why not? Okay. I dig it. Uh from friend of the pod and like very high-ranking patron, um, Miss Jessica Clarice. What's um, going on, Jessica? What's John's idea of a perfect off-season this summer? <sighs> and she asked, "What's what is Chris's?" Um, Chris is not here, but I he will one thousand percent tweet in one of his three hundred tweets during the day what his perfect off-season is. So send out send a tweet his way, and he'll he'll absolutely tell you what his perfect off-season is. Yes, he will. Um, I, miss, my per- I miss those days. I miss those days when we just could spend all day on Twitter. Like, I, I don't, no disrespect to his, Chris. I wish I had the time. I just don't anymore. Um, I don't mm-hmm. miss. You don't miss those, those days. days. <laughs> I don't miss those days. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, perfect off season uh, has to start with the with the get, getting in the top. I'll be greedy. I'll say top three. I want top three because I want. Either, but um, I keep going. He's the guy I actually don't want. He's the guy that scares me. I want either Holmgren, uh, Smith, or or Ivy. Um, mm. And I'll this go, might this. I'll go a step what? further and say I want four because I think 
Ivy will be the fourth pick. I want Ivy of the four. Yeah, but I don't think Ivy's going to let. I think Banchero is going to fall. I think I think teams are going to fall in love with Ivy. If that's the case, my perfect offseason is Jaden Ivy. Like to start the the start that you're at is that they get Jaden Ivy. I, that's who I, I want the Knicks to get in the draft. I I'm a little. Was has me a little with with what he said about Ivy, and this is not something I didn't already know, but to hear it come out of Was's mouth was, I think, it just made me think a little bit about like again. Was was like, this is not a guy you're going to hand the ball to over and over and over and over and over again and just run high pick and roll after high pick and roll mm-hmm. after high pick. Like that's not who this player is. He's not going to be the engine of your offense. He is a combo guard, you know, which to me is like okay, obviously an incredibly talented player, but. There is a there is a convenient hierarchy in the NBA where it's like very like a very neat and clean like this is our number one and this is how our number one looks and then here's our number two. So to me, it sounds like okay, Ivy. If everything breaks right, it's going to be a, a dynamite number two. How does that? Who does that work best alongside of? And then how do you get that play? It's like it it just opens up some other questions, which is why I think I'm more on the give me I, look. I'd love Ivy. Great problems to have, right? Um, I think I'm. There's a part of me I think I really want Holmgren. I, I, like, I have so many KP fears, PTSD with him. Dude, with he's that, tough that, though. That frame though, we said KP was tough, and then he uh, then he tore his ACL, and where's he been since? It's I mean, literally uh, just a structural thing. Or Smith. Smith. I think. I mean, look, Smith is he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. So I think that's maybe anyway. Okay, so we're we're spending too much time on this. I would like a top three pick. Top one of those three guys. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, again, like do I answer, I could answer this question by being like Donovan Mitchell requests a trade and we give up, you know, three first round picks and like uh I, I don't know every well, it wouldn't be every young player. That's the thing. It's like so, so we we don't spend too much time on this. Just if you want to do just a yes or no right now, and then we'll get into it with a cap or no cap this summer. But like, are they getting Donovan Mitchell without RJ? So that's the thing, right? Is it's like uh, the answer. I mean, the answer is no, um, okay. because if you're trading Donovan Mitchell, you're 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 tra- and and like Donovan Mitchell's. Let's let me rephrase that. There is no player out there who is going to be like, I want to go to that team and only that team. The closest we've come to that is Anthony Davis. And by the way, the Pelicans still got everything that they wanted yeah, and then some yeah. for Anthony Davis. Um, and the Lakers were really well set up for that. Like, you know, if, if it comes to that, like Donovan's going to have a bunch of teams on his list. And like, I think the Heat are going to be one of those teams and the Heat are going to offer Tyler Harrow and like, Tyler Hero is better, far better, goes without saying, than anyone on the Knicks not named RJ Barrett. Um, so, you know, it does like there's a lack of first round picks in that deal, but like, I don't know, are the, are the Jazz really going to value? Like, the Jazz are not going to value the pick. So, this is a very long winded way of saying, like, maybe we, maybe we should actually hope that Utah doesn't. This isn't the summer that Donovan Mitchell asks out, and we wait on that. So maybe I should take that back. What I said before. Um, let me give one more part of this answer that uh, I would I would like to trade Randall. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll answer this in three ways. I would like to get a top three pick. I would like to trade Randall, and I would like Randall to be traded for something that is actually at least a little bit exciting. Um, whether it's a pick. 
a nice pick that has potential to become nice down the line. Again, I don't, you know, or, or a nice young player. Like, again, I don't, I don't think Portland's going to put Simons on the table, but you know, you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they do like, there's your point guard, like here, I'll get, that's my answer. They trade, they trade Randall to Portland and um, they get Simons in a, a sign and trade, which would be complicated because, um, because sign and trades are complicated for base year compensation rules, but there there would be a way to do it. It would be it would be complicated, but that would, or you know what, or maybe send him to send him to Dallas and get Brunson get Brunson back. back. Also, it, also would have to be a sign and trade. I didn't answer, but that's my worst case scenario with Randall is that he goes to Dallas and is the perfect compliment that KB uh, wasn't. And then once again, we're rooting against Dallas to lose, but Randall's like built different than Porzingis as we all established last year. And that's the move that turns Maybe. Dallas into a top three seed in the e- in the West, gives them a path to the conference finals that is much more palatable. And then Luca is in the finals next to Julius Randall and all these other former Knicks. Uh, I just realized the salary issue wouldn't be a big deal with Portland because Portland has cleared their books. So yeah, they have so much cap space now. Yeah. Yeah. So like the fact that Simon's outgoing salary would count for a lot less. Um, they have it would to want for... to spend it all on Julius Randall though, or most of it on Julius. No, no, I don't, not necessarily. They, they could like they're. I think they can open up as much as like 35 million. Um, and like maybe, and the Knicks might be able to take back it depending on what, Simons would be signed for the Knicks could take back a little bit more money. Although I, don't, I haven't even looked at their cap sheet. I don't know what other money they have existing. Before um, we move on, I just, I'm re- realizing the avalanche that I might've just created because of how the internet works. When people listen to the show, sometimes what I don't want to trade RJ Barrett for Donovan Mitchell. If there's a world that can happen that the jazz, like, yeah, we'll take all your picks and quickly and your other young players. RJ is untouchable. Fine. Like, whatever. We're going full rebuild here. Fine. I was just wondering from an asset perspective, if the Heat are willing to offer Tyler Hero, but the Knicks really want Donovan Mitchell, can they best that offer by trading RJ Barrett? And do you think it'll happen? And John answered that. Well, RJ, I do think RJ gets you... I think RJ and I don't know what it would be RJ and, and whatever, however many picks I do think that gets you Mitchell. Is that, is that the correct move for the Knicks? I think that's a very different conversation. Would, would you, mm, I don't want to get us in trouble. I was going to say, would you do that? And I don't like, I think no, but like, let's, I don't want to be in that situation. No, we could be, we could be adults about this. Like as a fan, do I want to trade the guy who looks like, like it's finally going to be the first guy since Ewing to represent the franchise as a dra- homegrown player who's going to make all-star teams and not be someone that we wind up hating. Um, like, of course not. But like, is there a world where it is better for the Knicks to make that trade than not make that trade? Of course there's a world because they could make another move in conjunction with it where they get another guy who was like, oh, Donovan Mitchell's a dick now. I want to go there to play with him. And then all of a sudden you have your big two and then you fill out the roster and onward you go. But like, I, there's so many variables. So I'm going to skip ahead to a question that I was going to save for one of the last, but it's okay. like, uh, it fits now from D Zilla. Shout out D Zilla. Usually a, a member of the post game crew um, cap or no cap. We find a way. Uh, we find a way to go into 2023 with a lineup of you ready for this, John Jalen Brunson. 
Donovan Mitchell, RJ Barrett, Zion Williamson, and Mitch or other center by making all the right moves. Listen, you could be the, the center on that team and I wouldn't care. Um, Told you about my jump shot, John. No, there is no... Well, let me make sure I... <sighs> Only because you'd have to trade... I'm just going through like what very in what, big packages for Mitchell I, and Williamson. So How do your assets not get completely wiped out in one of those trades. You you could get like is there a world where Zion requests a trade this summer and the Knicks get the number one pick and the the Hornets are or whatever they are, the Pelicans are like, yeah, we, that will make that work. Give us, give us, give us Julius Randle and the number one pick. And you get uh, Zion and then whatever salary it takes to fill out. Like that is a trade that I could at least talk myself into be. And some Nick fans, probably, a lot of Nick fans probably wouldn't want to do that, mm. by the way, because of Zion's concerns about him. Um, and then it's a matter of like, okay, so now you have those two. Do you get Mitchell too? But he wants Brunson also. That's the thing. You also have to trade for Brunson. And that's why like, I respect the, like the dream. I just, the way that it has to happen so much I think, has to break a certain way. Like no, the Warriors I don't. creating that death lineup, so much had to go right. The I don't spiking Steph's ankles leading yeah. signing him to an affordable contract. The like not trading Kevin uh, Clay Thompson for Kevin Love. Like so much had to create. No, but he, happened to create a lineup like that. Here's the thing, though. It's like it's it, here's why it's not. I mean, it, look, it's insane. <laughs> here's why it's not that insane. Um, if the if you could get the first domino to fall mm-hmm. and still leave yourself enough left over, because like again, in the scenario that I just laid out, they don't have to mortgage like anything really of the future to get um to get Zion because they, they got lucky in the draft, right? Great. Um and then you add Zion to RJ, and then those two play together, and those two look really good. And those two, it becomes painfully obvious. Like, wow, they're a they're a guard, a, a dynamite guard away from being a dynasty. And Donovan Mitchell sees that, and he's like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that's where I want to go." And all of a sudden, now it's Donovan Mitchell requests the trade next offseason, and it's only two more years until he's a free agent. Um, so teams get a little queasier about making that deal and maybe Tyler Harrell takes a step up and like, they're not as comfortable trading. You know, it's like, there are things that can happen and then you're okay. Uh, here, here's your, here's your three future firsts and three swaps and, uh, have a nice day, Utah. Um, and I think the one other thing that would need to happen, like someone, some player on the Knicks would need to take a step up, whether it's like Grimes or quickly, or like just so Utah can yeah. get quickly and Grimes. Like say Grimes does look like Allen Houston next year. Say quickly does look like like yeah. prime Jason Terry next year. And Obi does look like a solid rotation player next to Derrick Rose. Yeah. Like, yeah. Then they're they're now you're talking. Now you've got three young players that you can throw in a deal without trading RJ for Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell. You traded Randall and the you gotta get the number one overall pick is the only uh, I don't you think I, they do it for Ivy again? Or, or what they do for Ivy or Smith or Bonchero. I think the the PR, I don't know. Like we traded Zion again for another number Man. one pick and we brought Julius Randle back. Remember? Can him? I just can I just say what I'm not ready for? I'm not what? ready for the Knicks to get a top four pick and then 
trade it. Like legitimate, <laughs> like legitimate rumors coming out. Like the Knicks are looking to trade this pick for Zion, and there is Zion. like mutual interest. Like I'm not ready for that. Okay, we'll save it for the offseason. Not ready for that. Um, thank you, Dizilla, for for <laughs> taking us down that that. Road. That was a fun rabbit hole. I enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy E, what are the odds the Knicks make a move for one of or both? Bamba and Fultz this offseason. Magic oh. seemed like a good possible trade partner for the Knicks this offseason with their glut of point guards in particular. Um, the I think it depends on the draft a little bit because if they get in a position where they like again, if they like Smith is a Smith is a four, so I think if they got Smith, it would you know, say bye bye. Say they may say goodbye to Julius anyway, but like definitely say goodbye to Julius there. Um, or maybe oh we who knows? But one of them wouldn't be here. Um, Chet's a five. Uh, so if they if they get Chet, then I I don't. Know, but they, I I don't know. I don't know because I think they here's the thing. I think they like Sims. I think they really like Sims. I think there's belief in Sims within the front office. Um, I think they see Sims as a backup center for them. And I think they're just now they just need a number one. I don't, I don't know. I think, I think Mitch is, is I, if you ask me to bet on it right now, I don't think Mitch is back. I think Mitch is gone. Yeah. That's why the, the Bombo question is fair. So like, you know, yeah, I, I'm sure if all of, if whatever broke the way it needed to break, like, yeah, would I bark up Obama's tree? Sure. He's a, he's a rim for like, he is the theoretical exactly what you need, right? Uh, rim protecting stretch five. Um, so it's funny. I asked you this last night on playback. Like the Knicks going into the next season with a lineup of Brunson, Fournier, Randall, RJ, and Bamba, or Miles Turner. Like it's like a perfect Tibbs team right there, which is ironic that we're talking about moving on from the the head coach, um, yeah. which I honestly, that is a realistic starting five. If all breaks correctly, if they don't want to go after, um, if they don't want to go get, uh, don't want to ever consider uh, McBride and don't want to go after Fultz, you know, they can go the, the way of Leon's godson and go well, after Brunson, you know, I, let me just say that I'm I'm not I'm not sure I'm all aboard the false train. I mean, look, maybe he's still got something left, but just I just know how frustrating this has been all this season without Derrick Rose, and to then go to Markel Fultz and be like, "But we can count on him to play 82 games." It's like, just no, like the same injury questions exist there. I just want I just want stability at the position, and he's going to be an expiring contract, which is like mm -hmm. okay, so he. If he doesn't play well, it's like, and then if he does play well, it's like, how well does he have to play to like, I don't know. I, look, and I, I may wind up with all kinds of egg on my face for that stance because the kid's got still has all the talent in the world. He had all the talent in the world in college and it just went sideways. Maybe he rediscovers it and uh, somebody gets real lucky who takes a chance on him. I just don't know that I'm that enthusiastic about it right now. By the way, to to Jess's question about a perfect offseason, um, Knicks get the number one pick and Jabari Smith is in play. There's your avenue to trade Randall. We have Jabari Smith coming in. We're not gonna we're not gonna have another power forward that's to battle with him yeah, but you for minutes, you know. You still Yes, of course, but you still need to find a home. 
Yeah, and I'm saying like the incentive to train, trade Randall I is then think, even greater. Because I think the incentive is going to be there. I'm saying there's an uncertainty of whether there is incentive. Oh, no, I think the incentive is there. Oh, you think it's there? Okay. Oh, I think then, it's there. Never mind. I'm just saying it's even more clear that the incentive is there if you have the number one pick in the draft and he's a power forward that plays Julius Randall's position. Again, if you're asking me right now to bet on it, I I, and this answer could change next week or next month and it could go back and forth. I think right now I'm betting that Julius Randle will not be on the team next year. Interesting. Okay. I, I like it. Um, I hate that it's gotten to this point, but I get it. Um, so we'll see. Uh, from Brock Aller, not the Brock Aller, but from at Brock underscore Aller. We don't Twitter. know that. Might be the you know what? Well, okay. I think we actually kind of answered this, but let's see. What's the most you'd give up for Zion this offseason if he became available? For hypotheticals, we're on his list of five teams he'd be willing to go to and sign an extension with. Also for hypotheticals, the momentum for Zion opting into his qualifying offer is picking up steam. So when I read this question, I I, I just don't know if the comp is fair because I think Zion's ceiling from what we've seen is so much higher than Porzingis's, but it's not comparable. So that's why it's tough for me to say, like, do you, do you use the same trade package as a template, but I think you'd have to throw in so much more draft compensation. I, there's no like expiring contracts that the Knicks ended up taking back or the, the Knicks offered to, to help make that deal work. You know, I, look, I, I'm going to cheat a little bit on this and say, I, if we're existing in a world where by hook or by crook, I don't care if they have to hire CIA operatives to figure out what his health situation looks like. If, if they, I'm assuming a, the Knicks have like good medical people on staff that can be trusted B whatever Zion's medical situation is with the back and the lower body and the whole thing is such that like, you can look at it and give him a clean bill of health and then see, I'm assuming they have given him a clean bill of health. If we assume all of that and we'll throw a little bit of variance in there because you can never know for sure. But if like, if they feel good about all of that, then like just take like, what what do you want? Just take, take whatever you want other than <laughs> want? Uh, no, other than art. Cause there's other there than are, RJ. Yeah. You know, there's not six players in the league who can impact a game. Like he can, um, I don't know, six, seven, something, I, whatever it is. It's not a large number. Um, there's an MVP in a healthy Zion Williams. Oh, I mean, come on. Yeah. It's just like the guy I was. Okay. So here I was looking up today because the, they, the Knicks account or SNY or something tweeted out that like RJ had his eighth 30 point game of the season. So I looked mm-hmm. up like, Oh, I wonder if anybody else in there. That's a uh, Knicks film school tweeted that out at Knicks film school tweeted that out. Oh, do we? Yes. There you go. Very yeah, nice. I wonder who wonder who did that math. I don't know who did that. Hmm. Uh, but I, you know, it's so I, I said it. He's the um of all, every player 21 and under in the league. He has the most 30 point games uh with LaMelo Ball and uh yeah, Anthony Edwards trailing Edwards, him. Yeah. yeah, by by uh they have seven each. And then I'm like, oh, I wonder, I wonder what that stat looked like uh last season. And then I went and looked it up and uh, hold on. Let me, let me see if I could put up real quick. You may have to edit this. If it, this nah, takes me good. more than I'm, I'm, I'm 
See, this is what happens when you have up. This is what happens when you have way too many tabs open. Well, that's that's a operator error in this in this sense, John. And I think I've I I think I've I've closed the tab that I was. Well, okay, I remember it. Zion had like twenty something Mm -hmm. thirty point games, and then I had another thing that I um that I was looking up because I was looking at some 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 of RJ's numbers this year and um you know how it compares with like again other guys third year in the league or less and Zion is just like he just does things like he's like last year he did things that you just it just it makes you shake your head um and the level like the efficiency and just just absolutely insane um, you know, so like he, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to say. Um, but you have to believe in the health and you have to believe in the motivation and you have to believe in, in all of this stuff. So that said, if we weren't giving up RJ, I don't, I mean, if I'm New Orleans, why am I making that trade? Why am I trading him to the get next? something for him? I mean, the problem is like you, like you're hinting at somebody else will give you a better, someone's going to give them something else. Like they don't need the draft compensation. So like, Miami's go this, Miami this, will give them Harrow. Yeah. I think this goes back to what you just said with the other question. This is going to take the Knicks getting a number one pick, like a yeah. top three pick even to be like, yeah. here's the guy instead of RJ that you can market to your, whatever the fan base looks like down there. Um, I, and look, I don't mean any disrespect. I, I'm going from an outsider's perspective, but like if you can't make Chris Paul, Anthony Davis, and Zion Williamson work in your franchise's career, in your franchise's history of like like 12, 15 seasons, then maybe basketball is just not meant to be played in your city. Yeah. Um, you know, but like that being said, if you can then also say, Oh, here's Jabari Smith, you know, that's a that's a someone to replace Zion with. Although to be honest. Saying it out loud, I, I almost wonder if I'd rather have Jabari Smith. No, but that, I'm really saying. but that's a but that's a real. I mean, well, because of the injury concern, it's only because of the injury concerns. Again, yeah. I I think we I think some not everybody out there, some people have just are have are, are maybe sleeping on Zion ah. when he's when he's healthy. Um, he there's no there's just no there's no other player that has ever been like him. Um, he just, he's that dominant. So I think if he had one more full season of health under his belt, because yeah. people bring up the Embiid thing. I just, I do not want anybody who's bringing up that he could be Embiid. Please do not put it past Sam Hinkie to be like, uh, don't worry, Joel, take all the time you need to rehab that, that foot injury. Like the chronic injuries we heard about Embiid just have not existed. All of his injuries that have happened since have been contact freak injuries that have been caused by another player hitting into him. They haven't been like the wear and tear, like we saw with Derek Rose or we saw with yeah. Zion so far. Whereas with, with Zion, there is a legitimate like structural fear that he's never going to be in the correct shape to be healthy for a full season. I, I just found that this is one. I mean, there's a bunch of stats like this out mm-hmm. there, but I just found one of them. Um, so 90, 93 times in NBA history, um, a player in his third year or less first, second or third year in the season has averaged 20 points, five rebounds and three assists in a game. Um, Zion did it last year when he was 20 
which is one of obviously the younger ages in which someone has done this, his effective field goal percentage in that season of 61.6 is the highest out of those 93 players. After him was a 23-year-old Charles Barkley who had 60.6. And then after that was a 22-year-old Charles Barkley who had 58.0. And then you go down the list and you see some names like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And um, (laughs) yeah, it's, I mean, it's just like, we're just, that's, but that's the, that's the conversation that needs, that is, should be happening around like what he could be. Um, Yeah. But he's sleeping on Zion thing is, you almost wonder if there's more of a, like the year Kawhi sat out with the Spurs, if we should be looking at Zion that way is like, once he gets to a team and is motivated, that's what it'll look like. You know, if, if he gets to a team and is motivated, which might only be the team he wanted to be drafted by in the first place. Mm -hmm. Never know. Last question. Uh, Friend of the pod at Oz on movies. Since Gotham square garden is in the new Batman film, Rank the actors to play Batman in a movie. So I, can I ask for a clarify? I don't. I wish we. Had, I should text Oz and see. As for the as the clarifying question live. Um, don't worry, I got you. Am I am I ranking their performance as Batman or am I ranking them as actors? No, you're ranking the performances as Batman. Oh, okay, that's you easy. Play Batman, Batman in a movie. So. So this is timely because right before we came on air, I told you that I watched the original Batman, 1989. Mm-hmm. Michael. Um, Which is not the original Batman, by the way. Adam West in 1966. I, Throw some respect on his name. Okay. I have not seen that film. I saw it for the first time this week. Don't worry. It's not a consideration. Okay. <laughs> um, so I am... Let me just make sure I'm, I'm on... We're on the same page. I am picking between Keaton, Kilmer, Clooney, Bale... And um and uh, Ben Ben Affleck yeah okay because I've not seen the new one um can I ask one more clarified question sure go ahead <laughs> am I ranking their performance as the Batman character mm-hmm. or, or can I, can I can I slash should I factor in their their when they're Bruce Wayne as well it's a good point um. I will overall you, performance in the movie. Can I go with I that? Will, no, I will ask you to rank them. Mm. I think I should do overall performance in the do movie. Overall because- performance. I'm just going to spoil my answer to this and say Robert Pattinson changed my list completely. I, I okay. Um, like because, but because of the Batman aspect of it, not because of the Bruce Wayne, which is why I think Oz asked the question the way he did. Yeah. Play Batman. Uh, okay. But if you want to, for argument's sake, because you haven't seen the new one. Yeah, I haven't seen the new one. The, the, those five as performances in, in their <sighs> movies go right ahead. I mean, look, it's a, it's a two person race. It's just a matter of like, and again, I just, I literally just last night watched Keaton in the original. There is a lot of hokey nonsense about that movie mm-hmm. and choices that are made about like what he's doing and what he's not doing. But he is really good. As Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. in particular, he's a really good Bruce Wayne. But at this, um, man, listen, you know what? What? Again, if you want to get nuts, let's get nuts. I I'll, <laughs> see. That's always going to be a Costanza line for me. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Bale one. Okay. I'm going to go Bale one and Keaton two because Bale to me 
like that the smarmy scene in the restaurant that he owns and um him and his date and uh dent and the dark night one yeah when rachel when they and, J- and he offers to that's the the, the scene with uh either die hero or live long yeah, enough to see exactly like become the villain. that is the best for me that's the best bruce wayne scene in any batman movie that i've seen thus far um and i think he's an okay batman i think he's fine um so bale one keaton two. Oh boy <laughs> i have a take it's been a long time since i've seen either of those other films um the clooney or kilmer yeah so Batflex not even in consideration. So Bat, he was in two films, Dawn of Justice yeah. and Dawn of Justice and and V V Superman. Yeah. Oh no no Batman V Superman Dawn of Justice and then either Justice League or Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's what I meant. Just yeah, it's all just nonsense. Yeah. Um. You know what? Fuck it. I'll go. I'll go Ben third. Third, okay. I go Ben third, and it's it's this is really hard because George Clooney is one of my favorite actors. But from what I recall about that film, yeah, that that they jumped some sharks in that movie. All I can think of is him saying, "Hey, freeze, I'm Batman." (laughs) (laughs) It's the only line, and and Schwarzenegger had some ridiculous line. Uh Yeah, I mean, he had several ridiculous lines, but there was one. It was really ridiculous. Um, I'll go Kilmer for and Clooney. Sadly, I have to put Clooney last. I think when you go through the list of, we haven't done a George Clooney movie yet. And I, Batman will be so far down the list of considerations for top five George Clooney performances um, that it, it, it it's a fair like position to put him in. It George Clooney in like Ocean's Eleven is, it might be my favorite. I maybe top five on screen performances by any actor or actress. Mm-hmm. Like he, that is, I just, I, I could watch him be in that movie at, at seven days a week. Um, so I love him, but in, yeah. in in um, what was the movie? Well, let's see if I know the names. One was Batman forever. And one was Batman and Robin. The third one was Batman and F- Batman forever. That's the Kilmer one. Okay. And then Batman and Robin was. Is Clooney. Is Clooney. Okay. Yeah. And Batman. So it's Batman, Batman Returns. Those are the that I know. ones. Yeah. And then Robert Pattinson as the Batman in theaters now. I'm very excited. We are trying to plot a time to to go um, with our with our oldest daughter, which I understand will probably be a questionable parenting decision, but it's fine. And if it makes you feel any better, our asker of this question also I, has some consider. I mean, you know this from our group chat has also <laughs> made some p- questionable parenting decisions in regards to taking their kids to see the Batman. I will just say, as dark and cynical and nihilistic as that movie is, there's no like, and maybe I'm just like, I'm not a parent, so I have no idea what to advise in this sense. I didn't get the sense that like, oh, I cannot show a child this in that movie. I mean, I took ever see Venom. Well, let there be carnage. Venom, let there be carnage. Then there's literally a scene where Venom says "fuck this guy" and bites. And he eats his head off. So, like, if that's allowed, then there's nothing like that in this movie. Yeah, I'm trying to think. The only time she ever got scared in a movie 
was I think she got a little spooked during, oddly enough, the part that the only part about Shang-Chi that people like didn't love, which is the CGI nonsense at the end. I think she got a little frightened by the that stuff. Yeah. yeah. I worry more about attention span with kids. Well, so she has faded at the in the last 20 i mean a turn my god i can't believe i took that child <laughs> to see eternals it's more eternals problem than than when i Scarlet Ray, i'll say when 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 i was like when the the end credit scene i don't know i don't even know if there was a second end credit scene the first end credit scene there were two yeah there were two. Oh yeah the second one was the the preview of the, dr strange right or no, no, that, that was, was spider-man that had dr strange show the first yeah. I'm spoiling internals. The first post credit scene, the, the mid credit stinger is the one with Harry, o- Harry Osborne. Yeah. Harry Styles. So um, that's the one Fox. I didn't stay for the last one, which I don't know what, when Mahershala Ali's voice. Yeah. I didn't stay you, for that because Harrington is pulls out the sword and you find out, Oh, blades here. Wow. Because during like, when I tell you this child was dragging me out of the theater during the, whatever it is, Harry Styles, Sten mm. Osborne, whatever. Um, it's, I mean, I felt really bad because I'm like, I was even watching it and I'm like, why am I making this child stay here for this mm. gobbledygook? Yeah, I I was, so I was like itching to get out too because that's the night you had a family thing. I had we we asked Jeremy to do the post game and so oh, yeah. I was so at that point in the night ready to just like what did the Knicks do? I'm sure they got blown out by the Bucks. I was like, oh, well, they won in Milwaukee. How'd this go? Um, That I just, I stayed there watching the fourth quarter while the post-credit scene popped up. So thankfully that saved me and able to see it. My favorite part of the Eternals is the Mahershala Ali line at the very end. Oh, shit, Blade, I'm in. Oh, wait, I could just turn that on, actually. I have it on Disney+. Plus. Plus. I got to tell you, I turned on... And I've like, I have... You're talking to someone who has, as you know, rewatched literally... Actually, no. Have I ever watched rewatch? I think I know. I think I rewatched Thor of the Dark World at least once. Mm-hmm. But I've watched most Marvel movies I've watched. I don't even know how many times. And I've I've rewatched all of them multiple times. I put on Eternals when it came to Disney Plus as I was sitting down to like write. And I got like 40 minutes in. I'm like, this is just yeah. I, I don't I don't want to relive this. I'm ready for them to do what they've done with whether it be a show or future movies where they just like branch off of this. And like make it matter because that's the only way I think I'm ever going to return to Eternals where it's like, oh, I need to rewatch this because this is now coming out and that's going to reference that a ton in the same way that like Captain Marvel, like I only rewatched it because of um, WandaVision. It's like, okay, that that's right. I have to go back and watch Captain Marvel. Let me check this out. So again, you're talking to a real sick individual, how much I love these movies. I've rewatched Captain Marvel like five times. Okay. Like, I don't think it's that bad. I think it's fine. I think I, in hindsight, I think we were a little harder on it than it deserved to be. I just, it had the impossible task of coming out two months before Endgame. I know. I know. Like, it did. You want to talk about a, 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 the penultimate? This was literally like, it felt like a coming attraction for the, the biggest movie ever, which ended up being, it ended up being, unfortunately. But yeah. I, I will. I will put on at some point before the end of the season when I'm when I'm setting up staying up writing a newsletter. I will put on Thor: The Dark World because I think, I, I as of now in my mind, Eternals is unequivocally 
the worst Marvel movie. And I don't know that it's close. And the only competition I can imagine being given by would be Thor the Dark World. You seen the first Hulk? Yeah, I've seen the I like, but there's some good stuff in that. I, I like I I really actually enjoy the okay. The yeah, um the then. Jeez. The scene where he's on the bridge and he changes and then he, mm-hmm. there's like the tank battle. Like that's cool. Like um that's the that's the uh Liv Tyler one, right? Yes. Yeah, I think she's good in it. I think he I think Norton's good. I think, you know, there's some there's some funny moments. Like the abomination thing is like kind of wonky but cool. Yeah, I think the Eternals is just trash. I clearly I I I'm not gonna argue whether it's I'm not gonna sit here and defend the Eternals. It's really bad. Um I enjoyed it like enough in the theater, like because it was like I was hyped for it and I was like, okay, they're doing a thing. I love how this started with a question about Batman and turned into you talking about how much you love the MCU. Disney, you got us. You have us wrapped around your finger that a conversation ranking the Batman before what I will spoil the best made Batman movie ever comes out this weekend. And yet we turned it into a conversation um, listen, about, about the MCU. It's I'm so I'm so excited for it. Listen, I'm there's a there's a look my but as I will end it after this. As you know, my favorite comic book movie ever is not an MCU movie. It's mm-hmm. it's Logan. So you know, and I think there's an argument for for into the Spider Verse is like maybe you know is in, at least in the top two or three. So um, you know maybe this one goes in in that lofty 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 air, but there is. You're right. The MCU has fully captivated every ounce of my attention and with to just wrap this up yes this like marvel that it's my favorite tv show running it's my favorite content thing in this industry that is has the connected tissue and what they've accomplished is great what you're gonna get in the batman this weekend i say this to everybody that's listening if you go see it or when you go see it just be prepared for like I I I've, I hesitate to put things ahead of the Dark Knight. Working with who I've worked with over the last eight months has given me freedom to criticize the Dark Knight. But like in a different lane, it reaches the same peak, and that's that's like the best praise I could give to this this movie. Like it's not. I'm not going to say it's better than the Dark Knight. I think they're two different things accomplishing two different things. One's a sequel. One's the first like jump off point. And what they do in this, I think, is is an accomplishment. It's absolutely the best made Batman movie I've ever seen. It's I'm really excited. To see movies it. of it's up there for best made movies I've ever seen too. Wow, that's I'm very excited. Like the filmmaking elements stick out to you. You're, you're we'll do we'll add this as part of like a producer's corner on because I know Jeremy's not going to see it, but you will have. We'll add this as a producer's corner on Tuesday. So that, that sounds that's, good. That's how we'll close the gap on Batman. Perfect. Um, all right. Well, uh, thank you, Andrew, for stepping in. As always, hope your team won, Chris. <laughs> yes, hope your team <laughs> won. Um, shout out to Chris. And uh, of course, shout out to everybody out there uh, for checking out all of the episodes this week of uh, the Knicks from School podcast. We will be, uh, we will have post games um, after these freaking 
West Coast. I, 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 they couldn't at least just be good. So I, it, it make staying up for these nights more palatable. No, of course not. Um, hopefully we got some good RJ games, uh, but we'll have post games after all those. And of course, if you miss it live because you don't want to stay up until three in the morning, um, how dare you? Uh, it'll be on your it'll be on your podcast feed the next day. So plenty of content coming your way. As always, if you dig the show, feel free Um Rate it, subscribe, review, the whole thing. It helps us out. And uh, until next time, we will talk to you soon. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.